Hey, Spotify, real quick, before we get started, please make sure to follow us right here on Spotify. You might have to click my name, Bob Enyart, to see the follow button. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yart Live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. We'll continue yesterday's program airing our 12-year-old interview of Newsweek's Lisa Miller when she wrote the cover story on homosexual marriage, whatever that would be, homosexual, quote, marriage. And she argued that the writers of the New Testament— If they were here today, they would support same-sex marriage. So we will continue with that audio. But first, something from yesterday's written show summary. We began the program letting you hear Donald Trump basically saying that he's going to strong-arm Microsoft when they buy, presumably when they buy in the next month or so, this social app TikTok. And he says, we're going to get a significant cut of the purchase price. Now, that's like a socialist strongman from a banana republic. It reminds us of Barack Obama saying, you didn't build it. The government owns part of this. You didn't build your business. So that was shocking, even knowing that Donald Trump is a socialist He says, as long as I'm president, America will never be socialist, but he's a socialist president. And we have dozens of socialist policies and programs. What did the socialists use before candles? Have you ever wondered about that? What did the socialists use before candles? Electricity. That's what they used in Venezuela before they started using candles at night. Socialism is bad, not because it doesn't work well and it shares the misery and it's based on plunder, governmental plunder. Socialism is wrong because it violates God's enduring command, thou shall not steal. But Trump is not a principled but a populist president, politician, and so his populist supporters will probably cheer at the government robbing more people so that it could spend even more money. As to the Lisa Miller interview, we mentioned that two years after she was on this program, she went to the King's College in New York City, and she was challenged, asked by one of the students during her talk, during the Q&A session, why when you wrote your cover story on homosexual marriage, why did you quote a secondary source claiming that the Bible does not condemn lesbianism, only male homosexuality, when you had the primary source, you quoted right from Romans chapter 1, and yet you ignored the verse that condemns lesbianism. And instead you quoted from a secondary source that got it wrong 
and said that the Bible never condemns lesbianism. So why would you quote a secondary source you knew to be wrong and ignore the primary source? And she was not repentant, sadly. She still has the chance to ask God for forgiveness, not just for that, but for her rebellion against him and trust in Jesus Christ. But Dinesh D'Souza, the president of the college, the disgraced president of the college, who was dismissed for his own sexual immorality, at least seeing another woman while he was still married, he said he thought that was okay because he was getting a divorce. It's not okay. So he was fired or allowed to resign as the president of King's College. But the day after Josh challenged this alleged journalist, Lisa Miller, a memorandum went out to the student body that changed their code of conduct and added that when we have an invited guest on campus, you're not allowed to challenge the guest. You're not allowed to challenge the speaker. How absurd. So one of our listeners said they spent some time on the King's College website trying to find their students' code of conduct and looking for the Craddock rule, but he wasn't able to find it. So perhaps a listener with a child or grandchild at King's College could ask if it's still in their code of conduct. And last thing before we get to the Lisa Miller interview, we have a hydroxychloroquine page on our website, kgov.com. Of course we do. Kgov, kgov.com slash hcq, hcq, or you could spell it out. And it's this. We did our own calculation to see the death rate in India where they're giving out HCQ like it's candy. They're distributing it like wild compared to New York where Governor Andrew Cuomo basically banned hydroxychloroquine. He basically banned it. Pharmacists can't dispense it. Doctors can't prescribe it. You could get it if you're in a hospital and enrolled in a clinical trial, then you could get it. So that's effectively banning it. So we looked at the COVID deaths per million in India versus the state of New York, because New York, you know, the excuse is given that New York has terribly high population density in New York City. Ha! Compare that to the slums of India, the largest slums in the world. And in India, they've got a population of 1.3 billion, incredibly high population density overall. And their deaths per million is a tiny fraction of New York's. New York has seen 1,700 COVID deaths per million people, 1,700 per million. India's death by COVID-19 is 29 people per million, 29 versus 1,700 And they're giving it out like vitamins, not everywhere in the whole country, but in the slums, they're giving it out like candy. And it's undoubtedly just there saved 100,000 lives or more. And if you want to get the cost in lives of 
New York's incompetence, you have to add to Cuomo's prophylactic HCQ ban, the deaths from that, where he interferes between the doctor and the patient, right? That's what the left says you're not allowed to do. These decisions, life and death decisions, are to be between the doctor and the patient, those lying dogs. They only say that when the decision is to kill the innocent. That's the only time they say that. You also have to add to that rate the nursing home deaths directly attributable to his order that they admit the infected, even as hundreds of hospital beds went unused, hundreds of federally supplied, taxpayer-funded hospital beds set up in New York went unused, Cuomo ordered nursing homes to take infected patients. How's that? And if you look nationwide, we reported repeatedly for two months on this show that the COVID deaths had been plummeting. For two months, while the cases were skyrocketing, deaths were plummeting, and we pointed out during that entire time that the media was simply not mentioning COVID deaths. Not mentioning. Then there was a spike. And there's a spike right now, and it looks like it might be coming back down. But there was a spike, not like the spike in April and early May, but there's a spike the last couple weeks. And immediately the media started talking about COVID deaths. Immediately. When they were plummeting for two months, not a word. And so it's not as though they didn't know how to look up deaths. It's because they're fake news. And when you think about the mass protest over the summer and the spike in cases, and then as the CDC's war against hydroxychloroquine has set in and a spike in deaths now, it could very well be that the spike in cases is significantly because of the protest and the spike in deaths is because hydroxychloroquine has been made almost impossible to get in this country. Even though there are millions of doses available that have been donated and over a billion doses have been given around the world over the past decades, over a billion considered to be one of the safest drugs. I mean, aspirin of all things for children, teenagers, it's connected with it's a risk factor for Rye syndrome. And that's especially if your child has had the flu or chicken pox and you give them aspirin when they have a fever. You know, that causes swelling in the liver and brain. What a nightmare. But we don't ban aspirin. So the left, of course, is not interested in science. They're interested in power and rebellion. And they view Donald Trump as a representative of the conservative Christian right in America. And so they hate him. I mean, just with a few tweaks, he could have run as a Democrat. But they hate him because he's viewed, ironically, as a conservative Christian. So now let's go back again 12 years with Newsweek's alleged journalist Lisa Miller and her cover story on homosexual marriage. We'll pick this up in progress. Nothing in the first century when the Bible was written 
And here we may also have a disagreement. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I am with the biblical scholars who believe that the Bible was written by people over thousands of years, starting, you know, before the birth of Christ and ending after. Um, In other words, that but, it wasn't but, inspired by God. Well, that it is inspirational and that it's divinely inspired, but it is not inerrant. It did not come down fully formed do, by God. Do you believe there is a personal God who inspired the writers to write what they did? Probably. All stop right. the tape. Stop the tape. That was a surprising answer. I don't know if it's the answer she gave because she's talking to a Christian talk show host. But when she said the Bible, we believe the Bible was written by people. What does she think that uh, Christians believe it was written by sea turtles? And she said, we don't believe the Bible came down fully formed from heaven. No, no one believes that. The Bible says that holy men inspired by God wrote the scriptures. And that's what we believe because the evidence has confirmed the claim of the scriptures to be the word of God. As Jesus said, don't believe me because of my words for my testimony concerning myself is not credible. Look at the evidence. And then he gave all the other testimonies that confirmed his credibility. And he said, because of all that, you can trust my words. But anyone could say, I'm the Messiah, believe in me, follow me, and give me money, by the way. Jesus never asked for money. You know, he didn't feed the 5,000 and pass the plate. He passed the baskets for them to take the food out. The churches that say, don't judge, all you have to do when the basket comes by is take something out, and immediately they remember how to judge and how important it is. Let's continue. There is a personal God who inspired the writers to write what they did. Probably. All right. Okay, Probably. so go I ahead. Just, you, I, you were going to say the this. Bible is also history. I mean, and I think. It is history, yes. Yeah. And, and. So you were I'm saying the scholars to... said in the first century. Oh, that, 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 that nothing like what we call homosexual love, committed homosexual relationships over a long term. That, that, that contribute to social and family stability, that, that are good for society, that nothing like that, that existed in the first century. And that when the Bible refers to gay sex, they're not talking about what, what I know as the committed gay couples in my life. Okay, and that goes right to the point you made when you said, what is it that the opponents of gay marriage are upset about? What is it really? What are they exercised about? And you say, well homosexuality of course and that's true lisa miller you're right at least i wish you were more right than you are because i see people like james dobson and so many christian leaders i see them on a moral slide you know it used to be they were against any any sex outside of marriage and that it was a crime now they've completely accepted the decriminalization of adultery all forms of fornication. They used to be against homosexuality. Then they were against homosexual adoption. Now they're not even against the decriminalization of homosexuality. They say, I've got quotes from so many of the leading Christians who say it's their right. Whatever they want to do in private is their right. So they've come a, a long way toward your position. Right now, they happen to be still opposing homosexual marriage, but if we continue on this slide, eventually the only thing they'll be against is, I think, homosexual dental care. 
Stop the tape. Stop the tape. Greg Kokel, who we've heard from on the show, airing a discussion he had just a couple weeks ago with a caller saying that some same-sex couples are fabulous. And these are people, he says, who should be able to adopt children and that this would be a relatively healthy environment for a child. He's talking about homosexual couples, including the ones who say they're married, who get so-called married under the authority of the government. The father of homosexual marriage was Mitt Romney, who focused on the family supported. And they said, our views are so similar to Mitt Romney's. And boy, how right they were. Tragically, he's the father of Obamacare, the father of tax-funded abortion, on-demand, late-term, the whole thing. What a nightmare Mitt Romney was. And yet, you go back just a few years, like 20 years ago, the Supreme Court ruling Lawrence v. Texas. Texas had a law against homosexuality. And that was challenged. It went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court struck down that law. Now, they had no authority to do that because that comes from God, and that is true law. No governmental authority, no lesser magistrate, greater magistrate, no jurisdiction has the authority to decriminalize murder, to decriminalize adultery, to decriminalize stealing, to decriminalize perjury, bearing false witness against your neighbor, as the Bible puts it. No government has the right to decriminalize these. Conservative Christians are so delusional so often, they say about child killing, murdering unborn children, they say, well, it's states' rights, because they follow Donald Trump and George W. Bush and John McCain and Mitt Romney. Oh, it's states' rights. And we wonder, are you delusional? A state has the right to prosecute murder. They don't have the right to decriminalize murder. Even in the Bible, when the tribe of Benjamin refused to prosecute murder, you know what God did? He brought all the other tribes together militarily, and they went in and they slaughtered the Benjamites, almost wiped out the entire tribe. That's states' rights. And by the way, I wrote an article on that. It's at American Right to Life's website, AmericanRTL.org slash states' rights, states hyphen rights. And it's got a little Bible study in it. You might love it. But anyway, Focus on the Family, just decades ago, they were against decriminalizing homosexuality, and now they support homosexuality. That homosexuality needs to be legal. They told us that to our face. Check out our trilogy, Focus on the Strategy. Just go to our website, kgov.com slash focus, or go to our Bob and Yurt Live YouTube channel, And look at especially Focus 2. That's the key. All three are so important. But focus on the strategy 2, and you'll be stunned by Focus on the Family telling us to our faces when we went down and presented this, the elders of Denver Bible Church, that when we advocate for public policy, we should first determine what would God approve as public policy and then work toward that goal. And you know what Tom Minnery, Vice President of Public Policy at Focus on the Family, told us in their beautiful wood-paneled meeting room with a couple other Focus staff members there? No, we would never do that. We wouldn't take that approach. You see, they're pragmatic, and they 
look at what the Democrats want to do and the Republicans, and they use that as their guidelines. Instead of, even if we can't achieve what the Republicans want to do, that doesn't mean the Republicans all give up on it, but we should seek to implement the policies that God approves of and work toward those, whether we can achieve it or not. At least we're working in the right direction, but Focus on the Family says we would never take that approach. I mean, that's about verbatim. Check it out. Focus on the strategy, kgov.com slash focus. Things will be okay. One of the things I find most interesting about this whole issue is that if you look at young white, if you look at white evangelical Christians as a group, you find that there's a big generational split in the among young people, people under 30 and older people, people sort of over 50, and that people who are over 50 really oppose gay marriage strongly, as strongly as they ever did. But people who are under 30 are much more inclined to um, be accepting of it. And the young evangelicals that I've I talked agree. to, and I talk, excuse me, and I've talked to a lot of them, yeah. say that Really, as Christians, what they want to do is do Jesus' work in the world. And what that means is feeding the poor, is clothing the, you know, the cold, is helping the sick. Social gospel. Is, is, is helping people learn how to read, is helping get go to hell water in Africa, is helping, you know, with the AIDS crisis. And that this, this aversion to allowing two people who are of the same sex to have the same kind of relationship that men and women have. Disgusting. It's old school. It's over. Hey man, and it's I old think school. that ultimately, hey, you know, they're Lisa, gonna be the new generation. They're gonna they're gonna be the voices of the new evangelical. Lisa, I, I think mm. you're exactly right. That is exactly yeah. what's happening. Uh, I'll use Dr. Dobson as an example. Stop the tape, stop the tape. So she is right, and that was back twelve years ago. We now have on our website kgov.com slash superfluous our superfluous list of Christian leaders and conservatives going gay. And it's pretty much most of them, the president of Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, the megachurch pastor and Charles Stanley's son, Andy Stanley, Greg Kokel, leading Christian apologist, host of Stand to Reason, Chuck Swindoll, prayed on Christmas Eve. We have the video embedded right in our list. He's praying that God would bless as we gather with family or we gather with just another friend or your partner in life? I mean, is that too much? Giving a blessing to homosexuals? The National Evangelical Association adopts homosexual rights. World Vision introduced homosexual spousal benefits a long time before they were really popular. Oh, and then they withdrew it because they lost so much money. Wheaton College, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Southwestern Baptist Seminary, the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, Liberty University employs Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. What a nightmare she is. T.D. Jakes even approves of gay churches. Donald Trump, although we shouldn't include him in this list because this list is for those who claim to be Christians, but Donald Trump said, as we celebrate LGBT Pride Month, my administration has launched a global campaign to decriminalize homosexuality. And you know what that means, right? 
That means Christianity is increasingly criminalized because the two are mutually exclusive in the public square. Mike Pence applauding homosexual rights, gay rights, he calls them. Dennis Prager and Prager University never missing an opportunity to use a homosexual as the face of their oh-so-reasonable libertarianism. The Council for Christian Colleges, Trey Pearson, Max Lucado, country star Rory Feek of Rory and Joey, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, Vicki Beeching, Byron Keith, Pepperdine University. It goes on and on. Amy Grant, Ray Bolts, Jennifer Knapp, Christianity Today, Bob Bell, former megachurch pastor, Jars of Clay, frontman Dan Hasseltine, Ted Cruz, upholding homosexual rights, and even gay storytelling, believe it or not. Just go to our superfluous list. You'll find the link. George W. Bush offered to perform a homosexual wedding that his father, H.W., officially witnessed. The Moody Bible Institute president interviews his pro-homosexual son, Carson Nyquist, who also graduated Dallas Seminary, who rejected labeling homosexuality as sin. And it goes on and on. The Message Bible Translator, Bob Schenck, Southern Baptist megachurch pastor, Robert Jeffress. The Church of Scotland now has homosexual, quote, ministers. The Episcopal Church, you know, U.S. Anglicans, they had their first gay bishop, and he just got a divorce. United Methodist Church, Church of England's Vatican envoy, not only supports transgender priests, but he openly rejects Christ's resurrection. How's that? Church of England. And it goes on and on. I don't have the time. We don't have the time. We got to get back to the audio. I think you're exactly right. That is exactly what's happening. Uh, I'll use Dr. Dobson as an example. And I, I love Dr. Dobson. I've, my wife and I have read his books. We've raised seven boys and we recently read uh, raising, raising boys and 20 years ago, dare to discipline. But, um, so I think you're right. There is a, there's a moral slide among Christians. I don't know if you notice it, but even among Christian leaders, like I said, just a few years ago, they were, uh, as far as Texas, Lawrence v. Texas, uh, Dr. Dobson focused on the family, Jay Seculo, the whole bunch of them, they wanted to uphold uh, laws criminalizing homosexuality. But today, the same leaders say that homosexuality should be legal. They're just against gay marriage. You so, know, in Leviticus, it says you should kill gay people. You should kill homosexuals. Well, you should let, stone them. Well, let me ask you two things about that. Um, first of all, because you're right, it should be the opposition to gay marriage should only be at the level of opposition to homosexuality. If you don't have that, then you might as well give up. Uh, why don't we allow? I've thought a lot about this question, Lisa. I hope I, I want to see what you think. Why don't we allow men in the girls volleyball locker room in high school? Why don't we allow men? I mean, we should be open-minded right progressive why do we not allow men in the girls locker room this is uh, this is not a a it is no it's not a productive path it, no it is because about, we're because talking men about people who love each other yeah. we're talking about two adult people lisa who love each i understand other, who want to contribute to society yeah. as you know grown-up contributing members of society we're not talking about grown-up men in in children's locker rooms. Lisa, you wrote in your article, you wrote that what is this really all about? It's about an aversion to homosexuality. 
So I want to suggest to you that as society accepts homosexuality, then we blur so many lines that even to have a, a man in a boy's locker room is then similar to having a man in a woman's locker room. Like, uh, we don't allow men in the girls' locker room right. because... Go ahead. I've heard this, this slippery, this is what, what's called the slippery slope argument. I've heard the slippery slope argument in a lot of different ways. But, but what I would say is that getting married is both a civil right and a sacred right, and that two mature adults who want to be, you know, be before God, contributing members of society, and create a family, if that's what they want to do, should be able to do that. And right. I also believe that you know, no church will be forced to marry gay people. Like, ah. that's, that's not going to happen in the world. So this is well, only Lisa, about come churches, on, Lisa, come on. Christians are being churches. sued for not taking pictures of homosexual weddings. I mean, the, this is the, only about, this is not about photographers. This is about, this is about ministers. Well, well I know, but that assurance, who, I, who, it doesn't comfort me, that assurance. Stop matters. the tape, stop the tape. So at kgov.com slash homos, that's our main landing page for all gross things about homosexuality. Yeah, we've got it where the lawsuits have come in since Lisa was on the show. You're going to host our wedding or you're getting sued. Yep, even on your church property, you're going to host our wedding and you're going to recognize our wedding even in your theological seminaries. And by the way, cough up $500,000 for resisting. So bake the cake, right? We just want to be left alone? Right. Oh, no, really. We just want to be left alone. And, uh, oh, and you better bake us a cake or else. And you better use the pronouns we demand or we'll sue you. And you better bake us a pizza pie, you'll get sued. And some cookies or you'll get sued. And you better send us flowers, literally, or you'll get sued. And hey, ladies, you got to give me a haircut or you'll get sued. And take our photos or you get sued. And forget about your heterosexual student clubs and doctors and boys-only Cub Scouts and morally straight Boy Scouts and adult scout leaders. Forget about it all. Forget about your father-daughter events, your dating services, your rescue missions, your college Christian clubs. Forget about it all. We're suing you. Hey, Spotify, thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, kgov.com. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the program. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and tell a friend about us or share the link. We'd really appreciate it. This is Bob Enyart for kgov.com. May God bless you.